Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. Today's episode is a solo podcast. I do not have a guest. I will not be interviewing anybody. And today's topic was a suggestion from my canvas on Instagram from my girl Marin, and I'm really psyched that she suggested this. At first, I was hesitant to broach this topic because I don't know if you've noticed on The Nativist, especially on social media and elsewhere in my life, I try really hard to stay neutral and objective and independent of any affiliation. And there are a few different reasons for this. One, I am a Department of Justice employee and my job mandates that I stay neutral and impartial and I don't reveal any political leanings, any biases. It is crucial because this could affect my work truly without getting into what I do. It is imperative that I do not display what I myself believe. Sometimes this is hard, I'll be honest, especially with my Hot Topic Thursday questions that I pose every Thursday. Sometimes I want to chime in, but that goes to another reason for being objective on The Nativist. I want to create a space for others to feel safe to share what they think, what they believe. I want to spark new ideas and not debates, but dialogue and different ways of thinking, and I want to expand others horizons, my own included. I love to hear what people say. And I don't want to just talk at people and tell them what I think and drill that into them. I want to create a space for everybody to feel safe, to share what they think so we can all learn from each other. And before we get started too much further, I also want to explain why this topic is important to me. I'll give you a little bit of my background. I have a degree in political science and international relations, and also I have a minor in psychology. And also, as I said, I am a Department of Justice employee. And disclaimer, like I said, this will not get political. This will not get partisan. I'll talk broadly about politics and use really broad general strokes. I don't want to get down in the weeds and down and dirty this won't be partisan. This won't be me saying you should vote Republican, you should vote Democrat, you should be a libertarian, you should be this, you should be that. No, this is not it at all. I just want to provide some food for thought to think about politics in general, hopefully ignite some interest in it because it affects our daily lives. Truly, it affects us all. Sometimes it's easy to just block it out and numb it out. Sometimes this is important that we do so because we're inundated with it all the time. But you guys, you have to at least be aware because this is our world. This is our country. This is our state. This is our city. It affects us. And it's important to me that people take interest in that and realize that. 
This doesn't mean that I want you to go out and crusade for a certain party or hitch your wagon to some political party or idea or ideal or whatever. No, not at all. Like I just want people to understand how it affects all of us and how you do have a voice. Okay, so first order of business, I want to talk about basic basic instincts that all humans have and this resides in our lizard brain. So our lizard brain is where our self-preservation instincts are. It's where our fears and base base fears that all humans have are so let's say this is where our fear of survival is. This is where we are just trying to stay alive, to survive, to look out for ourselves, for our loved ones. And let's say that somebody taps into this emotionally and activates a scarcity mindset and think and tells you, you're not going to survive because this person is going to take your share of the pie. You're not going to survive because there's not enough to go around. You're not going to survive because this and this and this is coming at you and your self-preservation instinct kicks in. And that's how leaders can draw power. If they activate your lizard brain, game over. They can have their way with you. They can do whatever. And you see this played out in history. And a great example of this is Hitler. Hitler did this brilliantly. He identified a common enemy, the Jews. He activated that scarcity mindset where there's not enough to go around, your livelihood is in danger, your survival is in danger, couched it all in dramatic terms and vilified the Jews, identified a common enemy, us against them. And then look what happened. Look how effective he was. And he, he wasn't the only one. I see it played out today with different people, with different leaders. And it's incredibly, incredibly effective. And so... That's why certain people can defy logic and reason and follow certain leaders where you just are bewildered. Why would you follow this guy? He's so bad. That's why if you can tap into somebody's lizard brain, you can own them. You can do get them to do whatever you want them to do. And this is why it's important to guard against this ourselves too and to recognize it if it's happening. And this takes us on to the next topic, which is tribalism. This is the in versus out crowd, us versus them. Humans are social creatures. And back in the day, our survival depended on fitting in with the tribe. Strength in numbers. We couldn't survive without others helping us out, pooling our resources, pooling our brain power, pooling our capacity, warding off danger. If we were to unite against a threat like a tiger or whatever else was coming at us, our odds of survival were a lot higher, right? And that's how innovation happens too. And that's how you can create new technology. So a lot of good comes from having multiple people. And it's also still important to this day. It's important to have strength in numbers, not always this, I mean, you could go down a whole other topic with this, but generally speaking in this particular vein, yes. And for our mental health as well, it is important for us to feel like we belong, like we're part of something. And associating with a tribe gives us a sense of identity and purpose, and it provides framework for our life and makes us feel like we belong. And that's very important, especially think about your teenage years, how important it was for you to feel like you belong, and even today. It's not just 
reduced to your teenage years. It's also today. It's also important for you to feel like you have a purpose and identity, like you belong, like you're part of something. And so that's why certain people affiliate themselves with certain groups and certain organizations and certain political parties. And it's also why people tend to judge others. And this, if you remember what I talked about in my judgment podcast, which is a few episodes back, and I encourage you to listen to that if you haven't, judging makes us feel superior. It gives us a sense of superiority, a hit of feel-good feelings. It makes us feel smarter than, more pious than, holier than thou, etc. And we also love those gotcha moments when, and this is where conspiracy theories can really thrive. So we love feeling like we're in the know. So that crowd, the left or the right, the conservatives or the liberals, they just don't know. They're so jaded. They're so deluded. They're so delusional. They're getting the wool pulled over their eyes. They're just a bunch of sheep. They're just a bunch of this. If they only knew, ha, they're getting taken for a ride. If they only knew. And it just feels good to be like, to feel like you're in the exclusive crowd, like you're one of the ones in the know. And you're the one who has the real scoop, the real knowledge, and they're just a bunch of dummies who just don't know any better. They're naive. And so you really see judgment run rampant in times like these, especially in politics. And especially, I see it so much nowadays, and we'll get to that later. And I really, really don't like that part of politics, but it is part of it. And you see both sides of the aisle when I... The aisle is in the aisle of Congress, so Democrats and Republicans attacking each other. And it's just unfortunate and it's unnecessary and it doesn't have to be that way. And that's just part of it. That's just part of reality. It doesn't have to be like that, but it is. And I also want to note right now, as I kind of alluded to before, I am personally politically independent and issue-based. I don't affiliate with any political party. If I did, I wouldn't tell you, but I I truly don't. I am issue-based. And that means that I don't just pledge allegiance to one party. I decide my opinion on the issues at hand. It's an issue-by-issue basis, like a case-by-case basis. So this is my opinion on taxes. This is my opinion on abortion. This is my opinion on blah, 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 blah. So each issue has a different opinion. And that's personally how I like to live my life. And I am a big advocate for that. And this is because I think it can get dangerous when you have blind, unconditional loyalty to groups or human constructs and like a political party. No disrespect to people who are affiliated with a certain party. More power to you. That's awesome. I love that means you're engaged. That means that you're interested. That means that you're aware. And I love that. And that's fantastic. But me personally, I advocate for also being aware of how you give your loyalty, not just saying yes, just because it has a Republican name attached to it, the Democrat name attached to it, but you're actually being conscious and discerning with your allegiance and your commitment and your loyalty. And if you think about it, that just means that you're being very, very conscious and aware. And again, I am not saying, I'm not advocating for anyone's side, Both sides do bad things. Both sides do good things. We're all humans. It's not just a political party kind of thing. It's a human thing. There are bad eggs everywhere. There are bad eggs in 
different religions, different organizations, everywhere. There are good eggs too, but my point is no one party, no one organization, no one entity is all good just because humans are fallible and we're prone to error and misjudgment. And we just have to remember that. And we'll circle back to that later. And without getting too into it, I will say that mixing religion and rule, as in rule of law, can be a slippery slope, no matter what kind of religion it is and what kind of government is. So if you have democracy and Christianity, or democracy and Judaism, or monarchy monarchy and Islam, no matter what the type of government is and what the religion is, sometimes it can get tricky without, again, getting too much into it. And not that certain mixtures can't ever work, because I think it's close-minded to completely dismiss and denounce certain mixtures. They work in some parts of the world for some situations. For It's not up to us to be judge and jury on every country and to say what they should be doing. We have our preferred way of doing things, and others have theirs, and it's their prerogative, and it's their freedom to choose, right? And I am a firm believer in open-mindedness, both in preach and in practice. So not just saying that you're open-minded, but actually being open-minded. And let's not be so quick to say that another's lifestyle or way of doing things is wrong, whether we're politically speaking or just generally speaking. And this goes for countries and people. And I also strongly believe in freedom. And as you may have heard me say many times, a main mantra of mine is to live and to let live unless your lifestyle harms another. And there are many different kinds of religions and anointing one religion as the religion by yoking it to the official rule of law impedes others' freedom to practice their own. And a holier-than-thou attitude, particularly in politics, can be detrimental, counterproductive, and downright damaging in multiple ways. And if there is an official religion, let's just make it love. How about that? Boom, on to the next topic. Okay, so next order of business, let's talk about the economy. Another disclaimer, I am no economist by any means, but I have read a few books on the topic and I've tried to educate myself somewhat independently. I mean, we covered it obviously in my poli-sci education, but also on my own. I try to just be an informed citizen, to do what I can to make informed decisions. I'm remarkably curious. I love figuring out how things work. Every time I hear a new word, a new term, a new idea, I am googling the shiz out of it just because I want to know how things work. And it's so fun to watch things come together because everything's connected. And that's one of the reasons why I continually read nonfiction books about different governments and different cultures and different historical events. And watching all of that play and come together is so empowering and enlightening and fascinating because I love drawing from knowledge that I gleaned from a book I read two years ago and seeing it play out in my current book. So like, for example, I read a book about the oil industry in Saudi Arabia and the evolution of Saudi Arabia's current economy and culture and lifestyle. And then also um, I read a book about a year later about well, the American economy, and then also a book about 
India and Pakistan and our relations with them and their relations with other people. And I've studied the Middle East extensively. And it's so fascinating to see how it all comes together and ties together and we're all connected and to see it all play out. I love it. I love it. I get that not everybody loves that. I fully understand that. So nerd alert. But um, a couple of books that I read on the economy that I do recommend, they're a little dry. So if you don't want to read them and you just want to hear my take on them or my description of them, awesome. Okay, so the first one was Keeping at It, The Quest for Sound Money and Good Government by Paul Volcker. And Volcker is the former chairman of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and the former Undersecretary of the Treasury for Monetary Affairs and President of the Federal Reserve Board of New York. And he chronicles his career, so from start to finish, which is really interesting, at least to me, and during which he confronted multiple financial crises and issues, and he details them and how he approached them. And again, like I said, really interesting. And he extols the virtue of stable. I'm reading the review that I gave on a blog post a few, a couple of years ago, I think, um, 2018. So if you are interested in it, it's called Booking It. That's the blog post name. But again, this is where I detail the books that I read that year. So he just talks about sound, sound finance, how to be financially sound, savvy, and um, how it plays out in the government too, and how it's all intertwined. And it wasn't as dry as you'd expect. I didn't think so, at least. And then the next book is Capitalism in America, a history by Alan Greenspan. And he was the legendary former Fed chairman and acclaimed economist and an historian as well. And he talks about his evolution from um, America's simple colonies to the world's most powerful engine of wealth and innovation. And he explores why the economy surges, stalls, changes, etc. All of that because we see so many highs and lows in the economy. And he explains why those are, which is really enlightening too, because sometimes it can be a little confounding. You're like, I don't understand like why it's awesome one minute, not so awesome the next minute. And he really breaks that down and he does a great job of it. It's very digestible, I think, because again, I'm not an economist and I was able to understand it completely. And he also outlines the decisive drivers of the U.S. economy over the course of its history, which kind of gives you more of a background and you can see how things play out and why things are the way they are today, too, and maybe predict a little bit the future. And that is one thing that I, that I have learned through all of my studies is it feels like a crapshoot. Like you have these experts who have made it their lifelong mission and career to study the economy and the stock market. And it just seems like it's a total crapshoot. Like their guess is as good as mine sometimes it feels like. And sometimes they will admit that and acknowledge that. And just feels like predicting the weather sometimes. I mean, they have more of a background than the rest of us. But still, I mean, it's just such a crapshoot sometimes. And what I would love people to understand about the economy is it's multidimensional and affected by a variety of factors. And most of them are international factors. And that brings us into international relations. I do not expect everyone to become an international relations expert. I don't. I get it. That's a niche and that's not everybody's passion. I totally understand. But I would 
love for there to be just more of an awareness of international relations and how important it is and the bearing international relations have on everything else like the economy. And part of this is because raising one's awareness of international relations also heightens your consideration of people in other countries and cultures. There's more to the world than just your local economy or even national economy. So let's expand our consciousness beyond how well our personal investment bank accounts jobs are doing. And that's one issue that I do take. I try to be really open-minded and non-judgmental, but I will admit I do get frustrated when people cite the economy as the only reason that they're supporting a certain person, or that's like the only barometer or gauge that they have. So that person is effective. That person will do good. That person is doing well just because they have good plans for the economy or the economy is doing well right now and I'm doing well and that's all that I'm care about because my immediate environment is awesome financially speaking and I just have no regard or care for the world at large or anything else and no awareness of how things are connected. There's more than the economy. Trust me on this. There's more than the economy. You don't have to become an expert, but just it would behoove you, it would benefit you to expand your view a little bit. And we'll get into that a little bit more of how international relations affect your daily life. So let's talk about some examples. International relations, they affect how much you pay at the pump, at the gas pump. So OPEC, this is the oil cartel, like in the Middle East, them arguing over oil prices will affect the price of gas. So this affects how much you will pay at the pump. And it affects our reliance on them for oil. It affects so much. And our economy runs on energy, right? That affects so much. And it affects the price of goods, the creation and dissolution of trade deals or tariffs, say, or taxes that we would impose on, let's say, China. This will affect the price of imports and exports. And this affects the supply and demand in the world and trickles down to your wallet. So basically, it affects what goods are available for you to buy, how expensive they are, all kinds of goods. So I was really broadly, generally speaking with that. I mean, from just food things to clothing to all kinds of different things. It affects where you can travel and where it's safe to travel. So if we're an ally with a certain country or if we anger a certain country, this affects whether or not we need a passport or a visa to travel there or whether or not we're even welcome there in the country at all. And there are also ripple effects in international relations. Our alliance or dismissal with a certain country can spark fighting in that country or elsewhere, and this makes it unsafe to travel there. And less directly felt by us, but not less important, it can enable bad people to do bad things. There's some bad leaders, some bad dictators in the world. And speaking of, there is an unfortunate truth that (sighs) full transparency, America isn't invincible. Invincible. We're not entitled or even guaranteed to win and we must safeguard our liberties. They're not necessarily guaranteed to us. Other great nations have fallen and so can ours. Let's not get cocky. We must stay humble and considerate and realize that we do mess up. We have messed up and we do mess up. We've had some royal screw-ups in the past, y'all. Really, really bad. Let's talk about the Native Americans, for example. We came, we stole their land. And then to add insult to injury, I mean, injury to injury even, we then tried to wipe them out. We gave them, like cowards, we gave them blankets infected with smallpox to try to wipe them out. And 
oh, just awful, awful things that we have done to people. We have meddled in affairs worldwide for our own gain and tried to pass it off as us trying to do a solid by others. I mean, we have done some really deplorable things and it's true. It doesn't mean that we're bad people and sometimes good people do bad things and sometimes it's bad people who do the bad things. I mean, it's not so black and white. I mean, you just have to remember, like I said before, humans are fallible. We mess up. It's just what we do after that mess up. And most of those past indiscretions have lingering effects playing out today and are reflected in the world's current state of affairs. We have disrupted entire cultures and countries. And yes, so have other countries and superpowers. And yes, that doesn't excuse current violations or current terrorism and acts of violence today. And yes, it's not productive to constantly dwell on the past and constantly be held accountable for our predecessors' mistakes. However, one, we will still, we still do mess up today, currently. We're fallible humans, again. And number two, I think it's key for us to at least acknowledge our missteps and how they affect current events. Let's be humble. Let's think of someone who did us dirty in the past. So for example, you personally think of someone who did wrong by you. Maybe they lied to you. Maybe they stole your bike or didn't invite you to a big party where everyone else was invited. It doesn't feel good, right? Okay, now let's step that up. Now imagine they murdered your family, stole your land, forced you to submit and follow their rules, punished you if you didn't, and then didn't apologize for decades or sometimes even centuries later after the damage had been done. And then they downplayed it or outright denied it and told you to get over it already. Come on, are you gonna stay stuck on that all for the end of time? Like, let's just move on. Do you see how that kind of grudge could stick with the person? Let alone cultures and countries and peoples. I mean, you just don't easily move past something like that. So let's be a little kinder to everyone and a little more humble, especially if we feel some of that heat coming at us from foreigners or other cultures. And just remember some of the things that we've done to them in the past. Okay, so back to the importance of international relations, though what I just talked about does directly apply. Current international relations are a result of past international relations, like I said. And people who currently despise American, Americans or America, generally don't have us, don't hate us simply because they're mean, bad people. They loathe us for a reason, often for those previously mentioned past indiscretions, and we did them dirty. And often pride is mixed in with that. It's not a good feeling to be the world's epicenter of culture like some of those ancient cultures were, like Egypt or Persia, and be the epicenter um, in the world of culture, mathematics, literature, etc., and then suddenly find yourself a third world country. Ouch! So let's be a little compassionate, right? A little mindful of those past glories. And sometimes people just hate Americans because... They've had too much haterade, and we have to remember it. That's their prerogative. It's unfair and elitist to think American humans are better than any other humans, and Americans are the only ones entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. For truly American, we believe that every human is entitled to that, right? At least I like to think so. And also important to remember, all humans are capable of acting a fool, particularly when tangled up in emotions, fear, pride, insecurity, etc. Remember what I said about the lizard brain? When your instinct for survival kicks in and activates a scarcity mindset? Yeah, that's what happens. And unfortunately, I see that played out daily in American politics. We are all in this together and muddling through 
the best we can. And so that brings me to a couple, a few posts that I posted on Instagram a few days ago because I just was so bothered by what I am seeing playing out on the political stage nowadays and on social media and people being judgmental and hateful in their speech and critical in their speech. And I just maxed out and I just felt I really had to say something. So I shared my thoughts on current events. So here they are. (laughs) And again, like I said, I really try not to get into politics. And this is still me trying to be impartial. And I'm generally speaking, and I'm not getting partisan. So here's what I have to say on what I see going on politically, um, particularly in America. And a lot of this has to do with COVID-19 and the coronavirus, but this is also, this also predates that. Okay, number one, let's avoid politicizing everything. Not everything has to be a political issue. We don't have to make it that way and to demonize the left or the right, the conservatives or the liberals. For example, coronavirus, it's happening to everybody in the world. You realize this, right? It's not just certain political parties trying to get even with another political party or to take them down. This is happening to everybody in the world. It's worldwide, you guys, worldwide, okay? Number two, let's think independently and critically instead of just regurgitating. Regurgitating what you hear from the media or even friends or family. Think for yourself. Yes, it is unrealistic to know everything about everything and to research it all. However, one, It is in your and others' best interest to educate yourself on prominent issues. And two, if you haven't done the research and looked into multiple sources on the topic, it's simple. Just stay quiet. Listen and learn. Be open and humble. Share your opinion if it's not grounded in anything. And please, if you don't, it's not that you have to be an expert to share your views and you learn by engaging in dialogue. I understand that. This is when you get judgmental or you dismiss another's opinions or views or talk down to them or criticize them, that's what I'm talking about here. If you really have nothing to contribute to the conversation that's constructive, that's when it's best to just observe and sit back and learn. Okay, next. Just because someone doesn't agree with you, it doesn't mean they're naive, ignorant, or gullible. This is where that judgmentalism comes in that I talked about earlier and where it makes you feel better than others and superior to deem them naive or ignorant or gullible or oh, they're just a bunch of sheep believing that load of BS from that news outlet. So personally speaking, I can assure you before I form an opinion, I extensively research from multiple sources, conservative, liberal, nonpartisan. I was a political science major. It was important that I did so. And personally, I want to know that I did my best to try to get unbiased, unfiltered information. And I filter everything I read through a critical independent lens. Just because it came from CNN or Fox News doesn't mean that it's the gospel truth. And just because it came from a certain person doesn't mean that it's something that um, I have to live by. I try to think independently and critically, and I don't automatically accept or dismiss something just because it came from CNN or Fox News or whatever. And speaking of which, I also try to watch all news outlets. And if I pull up an article, I research 
the source of that article, like money.com, I'll research and see is this a reputable source and I'll look back and see who owns it if it is fairly rated. And I just really try to be as responsible with my sourcing as I can and aware. Again, I know that that can take a lot of time and a lot of bandwidth. I get that. Sometimes you just don't have the mental energy or the physical energy to go through all of that. Again, if you don't feel comfortable or secure or solid on a source, then just keep your mouth shut and try to learn from others. And please respect others' views. We are all entitled to our own. I try to give others the benefit of the doubt that they have been open as thorough. And and next, listen closely to experts in that given field. So for example, regarding coronavirus or COVID-19, I personally put more weight in what medical doctors, specifically infectious disease doctors and epidemiologists, say over non-medical doctors or someone outside that field. Moreover, I listen to sources who are local, national, and international. So I don't just restrict it to local authorities or national authorities or international authorities. I try to draw from all three. And remember, people from, say, Italy are generally nonpartisan in American politics. They're typically not trying to push a Republican or Democrat agenda. So again, let's stop politicizing everything. This goes for doctors and for patients or others with firsthand or personal experience. Like those literally sending videos of themselves from from their hospital beds. Yes, things can be doctored on the internet. Yes, I get that. But I mean, let's also take personal experiences um, seriously. And let's consider them as they usually don't have a dog in the fight. That's American politics. And let's say that you know somebody who's been affected by COVID. That counts for something too, right? If they lost a loved one or had someone sick. Let's not just automatically dismiss it just because it doesn't fit within your framework of how you've already made up your mind um, on how COVID is or whatever the situation is or issue. Okay, next, be, be careful of hypocrisy. So for example, criticizing others for getting their news or information from the internet or media. Where are you getting your news or information? Solid question to ask yourself, right? Unless you're running your own tests or your own polls, your own experiments, aren't you also getting it from another source? Likely the internet or media or maybe someone with direct or personal experience or a mixture of all three. So please don't set a double standard just because someone gets their info from somewhere outside your source of choice, like CNN or Fox News, doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. If you get your news from only one source or from the media or internet, please don't condemn others for doing the same thing. And you have to realize both sides. And I see this more and more than it used to be. I don't think it used to be this pronounced. But let's say that you are a Fox News watcher. Fox News is slamming the liberals and saying that CNN is the devil and just a load of BS. And CNN is also doing the same about Fox News. Like you have to understand that just because your source of choice is telling you that the other sor- the other side is bad doesn't mean that the other side isn't doing the same thing. Let's just be open-minded, okay? And open-minded when we hear others express their views, open-minded when we gather information, open-minded all the way around. And next, expand your view and your heart. So just because it doesn't directly affect you or hasn't yet doesn't mean it's not legitimate or important. And this goes and applies to so many topics. This applies to politics this apply- and COVID-19. This applies to the economy. So just because your little sphere is doing well doesn't mean that other spheres in the rest of the world or the rest of the economy and the rest of whatever should be ignored and disregarded and brushed under the rug. 
No, just because it doesn't directly affect you doesn't mean it's not important. And this goes to other hot topics in the country right now. And I really don't want to get political, so I'll avoid mentioning them. But just think about that. Just because you don't have someone who has been directly affected by an issue. Again, let's take it back to COVID. Doesn't mean that it's not a real issue. So let's just remember that and think about that. Please, I just want us all to get along. I want us all to love each other. I know that that is a lofty goal, but I mean, it's something to strive for, right? What's wrong with that? And again, let's just make our religion love. Let's make our overarching aim and goal to be to just be open-minded and make space for each other. And that's, I mean, all I can really ask for. And to just be as aware and educated as you can and humble enough to realize the limit and the end of your knowledge and stay open to learning new things. And please don't close your off to other ways of thinking and other ways of living and just stay open and stay loving. Thanks, you guys. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you.